I love baptism. I love that declaration of faith that they have when they go into the water and they come out. You just know God's doing something in their life. God's working and he's moving and it's just that faith that we can all see, we can celebrate and share together. Well, I just love being part of this family. My name's uh, Jacob. I'm a pastor here on staff. I've been in children's ministry. Right now I'm the facility guy and I'm also planting a church, but it's been an amazing experience being here at Life Center Lord and being part of this family. I've seen marriages restored, people healed, um, friendships encouraged. There's just amazing. God has, has been doing amazing things at this church, and he's going to continue to do amazing things. But there was a point in my life where I didn't really think God did anything at all. The truth is, I didn't even think there was a God. And that wasn't even that long ago. That if you asked me, God didn't exist. You know, I was a bartender, a college student. I was pretty much in my own ways. I liked what I was doing in life. I had a routine. It was like school, work, party. And then you just like repeat that motion, school, work, party. And that was kind of my life. I had my own dreams. I was going to be successful. I was going to have lake house. I was going to make a lot of money. I had a direction that I was going to go in my life. But there was those moments within that, that process of my life. I knew that there had to be something different. There had to be something else out there. And during this time, I went to the same coffee shop each day. And there was this uh, young lady that was working there. Her name was Melissa. And her family owned this health food store. And as just time went on, we became friends with her. And not only did I become friends with her, I started becoming friends with her family, and they're a really strong Christian family. Now, I was pretty open with my lifestyle with them because they weren't my family. In some ways, it's kind of like hiding who you are from your real family. I don't know why we do that, but we kind of hide like our real things. But this family didn't judge me, or they didn't hate me. They invited me in, even though they kind of knew I was this, this reckless lifestyle. Her brother I became really good friends with and worked with. She had this younger brother, Caleb, and I will never forget him. I was, I was bartending at a restaurant, and they had a bar back or a busser position open. And so I got him hired on a busser, and he was really involved at Life Center. He would go every week, and he was part of the drama team. And he was learning how to play the guitar. And he was always talking about it, and he always draw me these arguments of talking about God. And I just loved to argue with him and say, you're dumb. And he would invite me to church, and I'd say no. And he'd invite me to church, I'd say no. And he's like, well, come check out this skit I'm doing. And so I went and watched him do this skit. And I never really wanted to encounter God. I never was really looking for God. But what happened to me is I started attending to watch him and his, and it just kept on inviting me. And at some moment, there was that moment that God impacted my life. I was transformed. I got it. It's like, what they're teaching is so relevant. And Jesus started changing my life. My priorities and my dreams started changing. See, we all have stages in our life where we have dreams and a direction, all of us. At some point, life had a different dreams, and they might have started younger, different stages. We might have had dreams that I'm going to go to college, that I'm going to get a good job. You might have had a dreams like, I want the most amazing marriage ever. That's my dream. My dream is to have a family that I can grow and love. A dream to finish school, to be encouraging, to be successful. We all have these dreams and these things in our life. But what happens with life as we start going through it, uh, our things start happening in our life. We lose jobs. Um, the economy turns. We lose our homes. Some go to prison. Terrible things happen in our life. What once were our dreams no longer ever seem like a possibility to ever come. And whether you believe in Jesus or not, we all go through this stage in our life where things happen. We go in one direction, marriage, family, college, this awesome direction. All of a sudden, this circumstance in our life propels us in a totally different direction that we never expected to go. 
And so we can come to church day in and day out and day in and out. And we kind of get in this motion like, is anything really going to happen? Do I expect anything? Do I expect God to show up today? Not only do that, it's do I expect God to show up through the week? Do, you know, do I, do I look for those times that I'm going to have a great conversation with a friend or all of a sudden I was able to forgive someone that I never would have ever forgave before? We stop looking for God. We start going through this routine, this stage where every day just starts blending together. And today we are on John 5. And the story that I want to preach on is a, a gentleman that's in John 5 that was sick and injured. If you want to turn to John 5 or open your tablet or iPhone, or as for me, a church planner's poor Kindle, that's my iPad. You can follow along as we read through this. But before I get into it, I want to ask you a question. When you came to church today, what were your expectations? Did you expect to get a good parking lot, a parking spot, a great cup of coffee? Did you expect to have your favorite preacher preaching this morning? What did you expect to happen when you showed up this morning? Where, did you expect them to play your favorite songs? Because for me, I have some expectations that I have when I show up to church. The problem that I run into is sometimes I expect things, but I don't expect to actually encounter God. To, expound, to encounter God to do something miraculous. To show up to church to have someone healed, to be set free. I don't always expect God to do something when I show up. This guy we're about to read about in the Bible, he, uh, he struggled for a very long time. And it starts in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of his Jewish festivals. Now there is a Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsida, and which is surrounded by five colored col- colonnades. Here, this is the main part, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. See, Jesus has done his ministry in homes and in houses, on roads and on boats and on hills. And at this particular moment, he is going right where the people are sick and injured, where they have collected, where there's the most hurt and the most pain. See, they didn't have hospitals the same way we had hospitals today. People were trying anything or do anything to get better. They weren't lucky like us. We did, they didn't have... Uh, Google, they didn't have Dr. MD or Dr. Oz to help them figure out their problems. So just so you know, just because you can go on the internet and Google stuff, you're not a doctor. And just because you know it's stop doing that right now. Go to a doctor. That's why they're doctors. See, this pool, there was a, this, there was a myth about this pool. This pool was someone's last chance that had healing properties. So for a lot of people, this was their last chance, this, this idea, this thought, this one moment that if they went to this pool and they went in, they could potentially get healed. That whatever thing that's been struggling and this pain they've been walking through each and every day, they could be set free. And if you switch over the New King James Version on your tablet, I've been in NIV, verse 4 says, for you have your paper, but you can't do that. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, that whoever stepped in it first, after stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. This pool had the, the idea that it could heal anything. Can you imagine? Do you know friends that are sick and have cancer, kids that are injured or hurting or lame or paralyzed, and they have these problems? What lengths would you go to to see them better so they weren't suffering? 
What would you do to help them out? Would you encourage them that whatever little tangible idea would you have, would you not go to it just for the chance to see them not suffer and be in pain anymore? There was one such person that waited for this hope and freedom that dreams of being able to walk and live again. There was one there that had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I want you to underline, do you want to get well? Or go in a note, go in your little note function. I want you to come back to this later. Do you want to get well? See, Jesus saw all these injured people and he walked back to sick and the diseased and the paralyzed. And he walked through all these people and he came up to one man laying there on the ground that he saw that was injured. And he asked the question, do you want to get well? It was a simple yes or no question. For me, that sounds like the craziest question ever. Why would God ask such a question? Why would, he saw him laying on the ground. Why would God do that? Why would he ask if he's injured? I think it's rude. It's disrespectful. It's condescending. He knows why he's there. He's sick on the ground. But God just knows there's more than just the surface level of anything. And there has to be a reason why God put this note in here and had Jesus say this question, why do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? It goes on in verse 7. He says, sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. I can just imagine each day his family would take this guy or his friends and they would pick him up on a mat and they would carry him all the way down to the pool and then they would set him down and then they would go back and then the evening they probably came and they picked him back up and they brought him again. Day after day after day. See, he didn't have an iPhone to play on and Angry Birds and everything to entertain his time. He just sat there waiting for the water to be stirred, waiting for an opportunity that he could go in and be healed. But the day never came. And I think there's a moment that he probably started going down there day after day that he started getting tunnel vision. He's probably started just starting to think about his inner self. Am I, is anything going to ever happen to me? Is my life going to change? Is my circumstances going to change? And he probably really didn't expect anything really to happen. Day after day after day. But God knows there's a deeper issue. There's a deeper problem. Again, get your finger ready. I'm going to have you highlight one more line. Then Jesus said, get up. Pick up your mat. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The moment he'd been waiting for, for 38 years. 38 years, you're healed. Get up. You can walk. Pick up your mat. Underline, pick up your mat. Draw it, star it, come back to it. Pick up your mat. This mat had been laying here on the ground. Jesus says, pick that mat up. He bends down. He rolls it up. It's dirty. Filthy, laying on it, this memories of what he had to lay on and be carried with each and every day. He says, pick up that mat. Why? Why do you say pick up that mat? 
Don't leave anything be left behind at this pool. Nothing. No reason to ever come back. You are healed. You are set free. Never come back to this pool. Do not leave your mat here. Do not give yourself an excuse to come back to this pool. Take it with you. There's going to be times in our life that we are set free, that we're healed, and we don't need to bring any of our remembrance with us. If you're battling weight and problems, do you keep a candy bar in your freezer just in case you get real hungry? No, you get rid of it. If you're an alcoholic and you're quitting drinking, do you keep a bottle of booze locked away somewhere? No, you get rid of it. If you're a smoker, do you keep a pack of smokes around just in case you have a real bad day and you need to smoke? No, you get rid of it. It's the same for relationships. If you have a breakthrough in a relationship, you've forgiven someone, you have this bitterness towards someone, God sets that for you, no longer have the bitterness, you don't hold on to a memory or story just in case they hurt you, you can throw it back in their face. You don't take anything with you. You pick up your mat and you go. Leave nothing behind. If God sets you financially free, that finally you have a point where you're figuring out your budget and you're figuring out your life and you've got your money. Do you go out and buy another or get another credit card? No, you cut your credit cards up and you never use them again. Because if that credit card has been your vice, then you shouldn't have it in your life. I'm going to continue on in verse 10. Before I do that, I want you to think about something. That this faith he had, this faith that he had to get well was in a myth. And that myth didn't set him free. What set him free was God. It wasn't a quick fix that set him free. It was our creator. It wasn't a self-help book that set him free. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. All the worldly things that he'd been trying, none of that set him free. It was an encounter with God. That's what set him free. And that's what sets us free. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who has been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said, Said what? Pick up your mat. So they asked, who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that that was there. Okay, I promise, really, this is the last time with the hider. Just last time, I promise. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, see, you are well again. And here it is. Listen up. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. Before I go on, I want to I highlight, or I want to I notate one thing. That there are problems and there's sickness and relationships and hardships that happen because it happens. That it's hard and we struggle and it's not of our own doing that we're sick, but, but life does happen. And Pastor Mike in a few weeks is going to talk about that. And he's going to go into depth of why that happens. But today, I really want to dig in the verse, and I, and I want to be bold, and I want to say that stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What is that sinning, that garbage, that trash, that stuff in your life that keeps circling and mixing up, 
that causes more garbage to happen in your life. This leads me to believe that anger, resentment, bitterness, greed, indulging, whatever garbage that you have, this leads to sickness, alcoholism. This can lead to illnesses. Garbage in your life, continue garbage in your life is only going to lead to more garbage in your life. And God wants to set us free from that. Let's take a moment. I have a video that kind of helps illustrate my point. Hey, Kath. Jesus. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. Whoa, what's that smell? That smell? Oh, um, well, that's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, well, is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it. I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, but Kat, I mean, this is my job. Right. I take people's trash. That's what I do, so. Right, okay. Well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know, and then I'll just, I'll come back. No, Kat, I don't need you to do that. Um. Okay, I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I. Come on. Uh, oh. Just, just hand it over. Uh, All, right? All right, let go. Let go. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, How's that feel? Weird. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah, just loosen it up a Whoa, little bit. Check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. Well, I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. I, it's I mean, the lack of trash. Wow, it's just like, this is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well, I, I just, Get um, used I, to feeling free, because that's yeah, what you are now. Right, okay. Uh, what okay. are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute. Get one thing? No, 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 don't open the bag! Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back. Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine. It's my piece. I want to keep it. No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, it no. here. No, Jesus, I, I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense. I will remind you not to make more trash, oh, okay? Oh, well, Jesus, you know... That's what I do. I mean, we'll walk together. I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just... I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I'm, just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the only thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the stuff back. Okay. Look, I took care of the trash before you even created it. Oh. Look, don't you see what's happening? Every time I take your trash away, you come back and, and take another piece. And the more pieces you carry around, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Cat. When I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you, the real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself? You know, I truly believe that when you encounter Jesus for the first time, your life, your life is changed, you're transformed. When you have that moment and you impact God for the first time, there is a change 
that happens in your life. It happened for me. God changed my heart. The, the visions, the missions, the directions, I thought everything started to, to change. New clarities were starting to open up. But what really happened is when, when God started identifying those areas of my life I had to get rid of, I can start being freed up. But what happened was I didn't ever really seek God. I went to church to just kind of go to church and try to hear something. But there was a moment when I met my wife and I came here and I started meeting people and I joined this men's group and I started coming saying, I want to encounter Jesus. I see people that are, their marriages are strong. Their kids are great. There's this encouragement, this direction. When I started seeking God and I asked God to highlight what are the trash in my life that I have to cut out, things started to change. And I started letting go of some of the garbage in my life. So God could fill it with hope and life and joy. That as we go in a direction, we have opportunities when we're looking for it to be encountered by God. God wants to do stuff. It's as simple as that. God wants to do stuff in your life, but not just Sunday mornings. He wants to do stuff all week long. He wants to be in your conversations. He wants to be with you at work. He wants to be with you at school and at home and when you're talking late at night and with your tucking your kids into bed. God wants you to, to seek him through all those moments. The Spirit of God wants to convict you and fill you with joy and hope and love. But we have to say yes. So when we're coming to church, we're not have expectations of great coffee and service and all those things that we have here. We need to have the expectations that I'm going to come to church, I'm going to sit in these seats, and I'm going to encounter God in a powerful way. Someone's going to get healed today. Someone's going to get set free. Some addiction's going to be broken. That's going to happen today, and it's going to happen next week, and it's going to happen through the week when we are a community of believers that seek God first and say yes and say, God, I want you to highlight the trash, the garbage in my life, because you want to take it away. Jesus wants to take garbage and trash out of our way, and he wants to set us free. But we have to get up. We have to say, yes, God, I want that in my life. Say, yes, I want my marriage to be strong. I got to find some counseling. Yes, I want to be set free in my finances. I need to take financial peace. I just went through a hard divorce. I need to take a divorce recovery class. He sees a trash, you need to step forward and say, God, there's people here today that want to come alongside you, encourage you, love you, care for you, mentor you. What is the trash in your life? Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe you need to be the one that's mentoring and caring for someone that you are being the hands and feet of God. We've got to say yes. And we've got to say no to the trash. We're going to pray here in a moment. And I want you to start thinking about that trash that's in your life. I want you to think about the times that you've encountered God. And you might encounter God in powerful ways because I have. A lot of times throughout my walk, I've encountered God each and every time it's been different. But I never hold on to one of those moments that happened a long time ago. I look for the new moments God's going to encounter in my life. And if you were dragged here by someone and you don't even believe in Jesus, you know what? There's times in your life that there's garbage and you're struggling and you're trying to figure out what's next in your life and you're, you're not sure what that looks like. But there's truth and there is an answer and it's in Jesus. 
because the evidence is all around me. The evidence is you and me. So as we pray, ask God to encounter your life. Ask the Spirit of God to fill you. And if you don't know Him, invite Jesus into your life. This takes action. We can't be willing just to sit still. We've got to seek God first. Let's pray. Lord, as Bobby plays and our hearts are starting to stir and our our hearts are being faster, God, you've highlighted things in people's lives here today that they're struggling with, that they want to be healed and set free from. Marriages that need to be strengthened or a new direction or parts of their life, bad relationships, bad financial decisions that need to be cut free. There's also those here that are that need to recommit their life to you, Jesus, or say yes for the first time that I want to be obedient. I want to repent of the life I've lived and live a life for you, God. And if that's you today, I want to, I want to be bold and stand. If you want to say yes, I'm renewing and I want to be bold in my faith. I ask you to stand. Eyes are still closed. We're going to worship together. If you want to stand up and say, God, I want to encounter you today. Stand up with me. Say, I'm not going to be just an attender. I'm going to be a participator. I want to see God experience. God, I pray you stir in their hearts.